You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the star from Sound of Metal, Olivia Cook. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You tell me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we just need to film hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. Found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me, okay? You're in for me. Lose my heart. You're in for me, okay? You gotta wait for me. keep moving it can be a damn cruel place but those moments of stillness First and foremost, I wouldn't say foremost, but um, obviously you you have this kind of northern accent and I never hear it on screen. So tell me about the kind of roles historically you've taken and the tendency they've had for you to play very different accents. This had you do both French and kind of American, so. Yeah, I don't know, like, that was never my intention, but it's been, apart from a film that I did that comes out soon in America called Little Fish. I hadn't done my my own accent since I started my career. And then it was just either a London, like RP, received pronunciation or estuary accent and all like various dialects in America. And it just sort of, I think because my career just kind of went that way when I was 18, I, I got a role on Bates Motel mm-hmm. and was there for five years. And in the middle of that, I was doing American films. That That's just how it ended up. And I think because I kind of not mastered the American accent, but, but mastered a general American accent quite early on, and it became really easy for me to just flip into it. That's sort of just where I made my... Bread and butter. It's <laughs> on the brain now. Uh, it is on the brain. I'm starving. Um, and 
yeah, there was just never any real rhyme or reason to it. I think I'm lucky to have a good ear for accents, but I always, if I'm doing a new one, I have to have a dialect coach with me who will tell me where the sound is placed in my mouth and 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 uh, how much space, and it's quite technical with me. So for the character you're playing here, um, she's got a background where it looks like she grew up in a French-Canadian household, but also has just she's generally American I think like upstate New York um or maybe Canadian I'm not sure but um did you need to get a dialect coach for here was that difficult finding the specific accent that this character was going to have well I think she grew up in LA um her daddy's French um from Paris um and because I'd spent so much time in LA and doing that sort of accent where you meet people that have grown up in LA and it's not immediately clear where they're from sometimes they sound more east coast than they do west coast and that's just because of like parents and Mm -hmm. and generations back their family was on the east coast or their family you're actually European and so it was kind of sometimes I meet Americans that are like that and their accent is so interesting because you you hear the history Mm -hmm. in it um that that I think that was kind of what I was going for but I felt comfortable comfortable enough to do do in that accent that I didn't need anyone to yeah run me through it and also I was I was living in New York and and was a, around American people all the time so that was kind of easy <laughs> easier <laughs> so obviously you sing in French and you sing several times in the film and I think you wrote at least one of the songs in the film right you have a writing credit yeah, with um, Margaret Chardet of the band Pharmacon, who was the person who taught me how to play guitar, taught me how to loop, taught me how to scream, and just is the just the real deal. Well, unpack that a little bit, the process of learning to sing and be like a just hard metal rocker in something like this. Well, Margaret, she's really, she is just it. She She has this amazing band that, has this really industrial sound. And so I basically just ripped off her. <laughs> I was like, you know what? <laughs> Don't fix what's not broken. Let's copy that. And um, and she was just like, in order to scream, you just scream, Olivia. So we rented a soundproof studio in Bushwick and she was like, all right, just scream now. And I was just really shy about it. Just because like, when are you, unless you're like about to be murdered, when do you ever scream? And she was like, I'll do it with you. And she just like let out this roll. And I was like, all right, well, she is doing it now, but I might as well. And then once you've done that, you kind of, you become less embarrassed about it. But yeah, she was like, there is no technique to it. You just scream and then you let your voice rest because you can burn out really quickly. And I think actually when we came to do the performance, I I think I only had eight takes in me before. I was like, I can't make anymore. Um, But yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... That was it really. And then Riz, Riz was learning the drums for over six months and I came in quite late into the rehearsal um, and pre-production because another actress had dropped out. And so I only had like six weeks with him to learn the guitar, learn the music, um, loop, and then also play with him as well. So... 
That's interesting that you only had six weeks because I mean, those early scenes of you guys, like when he's kind of annoying you trying to get you up in the morning, uh, you guys seem as though you have like a long connection. You have a good rapport. So what kind of prep did you do with Riz to make you guys seem like kind of a believable couple with history? I mean, we had, we had rehearsals and I'd go around to his um, apartment um, and we'd talk about our history together and the band and we'd, we'd, we'd try and come up with names of the band and things like that. And, but really it was just the rehearsals because when you've both got to learn a new skill in such a short space of time, that really exposes you. And suddenly you are really vulnerable. And I think being each other's therapist and being in that same boat um, was really helpful in terms of us bonding before we got yeah. into Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Okay, other bit of prep. The eyebrows. They're blonde in the film. Uh, Tell me about that. I cannot believe the amount of stick that I've got for these eyebrows. I thought, I never, I didn't really think that hard about it. You know, we were trying to (laughs) think of her look and I was going through pictures and I knew that like the character of Lou, when she gets on stage, she's, she's got this like just guttural expression of like sexuality. And she, she uses that, form of art to like exercise her demons and so she's bigger and louder but in her in her normal life I think she wants to disappear as much as possible and I was just like oh yes I saw a picture I think of Lady Gaga with bleached eyebrows and it completely changed her whole face and made her somewhat unrecognizable and I was like oh it'd be really interesting to do that on me and see what it would do to my features yeah and it all just becomes about the eyes and I think especially with that character who is sort of non-verbal for a lot of her time when she is in that relationship in the first act with Riz. I thought that might be quite interesting, but they didn't, didn't really think that long and hard about it. <laughs> so um, I thought one of the most interesting things about your performance is that you have to show us that you had quite a bit of your own arc when we haven't seen you for like 45 minutes of the movie and you had to communicate yourself as a very changed person. So tell me a little bit about the process of popping in after having been so disconnected with Riz's journey and having to convey to us that you yourself are a changed person as well. What was strange about this process is that it really felt authentic because we shot it all chronologically. So 
the experience in the Airstream with Riz and with Darius, the director, it felt very, very real and very intense um, for, you know, the first month that we shot it and the previous six weeks where we've been rehearsing and it was all encompassing. And so when I say goodbye to Riz and get in the car, I got on a flight and went mm. back to, um, when I think I went back to Europe, I was like kind of traveled about a bit. And so the first time I saw them again was when I got to Antwerp, when we were shooting that for Paris. And we had all changed a bit. I mean, they'd had their own experience that I wasn't privy to. Um, and so had I and and trying to kind of capture that intensity that we once had, even though it was only like a month or two ago, mm-hmm. it was really, it was difficult and it was different. And it was even the relationship between Riz and I it was it was much more estranged and we were kind of shy around each other and that all kind of worked and fed into the performances. And I think that's always what Darius wanted us to do for it to fit, to create an environment that felt as authentic as, as possible. Um, But in terms of like Lou herself, like I could definitely tap into that aspect of her personality where she's found her own autonomy and within that it's created this confidence that she never knew she had did you deliberately i mean were were you kept in kind of in the dark about the specifics of what happened with riz while he was gone were you able to read all that of the script or were you kind of entirely separated from that anyway i'd read the scripts um, <laughs> so i knew i knew what what this the scenes that he was going on to film but in terms of the the um the nuance of that I had no idea really until I watched the film you know I I imagined it in a completely different way and it was so much more intimate and and deeper than I thought it was it was going to be uh, okay, and then where do you see that character going five years after the film's over? Oh, I see her just, she's got her own band maybe, and she's writing, well, she's not doing that, she's writing for other people and helping produce other people's music. And um, I think she still probably lives in Paris. And I think her lifestyle is definitely more European. I think maybe yeah. she after the relationship has ended with her and Ruben and her mother's no longer there in America. I don't think there's anything really tying her to the States anymore. And do you see a happy ending for Ruben as well? Oh my God, completely. Yeah. I mean, as much as, as much as this film is about loss, it's also about finding yourself and finding Mm -hmm the peace within yourself. And so, yeah, for me, when I, when I saw the ending and, and even more so than when I read the, the film, the read the script, it always felt so hopeful to me, especially yeah. with that character. All right. So what are you working on next? Um, I am on a Apple TV show called Slow Horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm about to go on to um, the Game of Thrones 
prequel called House of Dragon. Oh, very cool. I think I'd read that. Um, that's very exciting. And lastly, do you guys put butter on your sandwiches instead of mayo? Butter and mayo. Butter and mayo. But you do put butter on sandwiches, period. Yeah, you guys do too. No, we don't put butter on sandwiches. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why so wouldn't I've, you put butter on everything? So I love butter. I mean, I, I, I don't begrudge it. It was just entirely foreign to me. I was, uh, I remember I read some book, is The Dark is Rising, one of those you know children's books back in the day, and she was putting it on like a roast beef sandwich and there was butter on it. And yes, then I was like... On a roast beef sandwich? Are you joking? Oh, I've oh. never heard of that. <laughs> oh, go out okay. to the grocery store, get yourself a lovely stick of butter. And just mm-hmm. it on. slather it on everything. Yeah. yeah, my doctor will kill me, but I will. You know what? All right. At the moment, just, you know, <laughs> get it down your neck. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I thought you were lovely in this performance and uh, can't wait to see you on Game of Thrones and everything else in the future. Oh, cheers. Thanks, Will. Get home safe. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with Olivia Cook here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Sound of Metal is currently nominated for a Golden Globe Award a Screen Actors Guild Award, and five Critics' Choice Awards, including Best Picture. It is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you are feeling generous, head on over to Apple Podcasts, where you can rate us five stars, leave us a comment, and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you could lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.